Does anybody know that one? Come on up. Come on up. So you have person A, the catcher, and person B, the catchee. So, yeah, let's have one there and one there. So, Gabe, get behind your dad. <laughs> no, no, I'm no, just kidding. Get in <laughs> so, do you, do you know what this is? Do you know what this exercise is? Yeah, you, you, you basically have to cross your arms, right? Close your eyes and stay stiff. Because if you bend your knees and you go like that, it's not really trusting. Or if you go like this, it's not really trusting. Now, there's a lot of dynamics that go on. In, in one of these little exercises. I mean, person from person B, the catchy, I guess, if they commit to it, in their mind is, can I trust you to catch me? Right? I mean, let's face it, if it was Hector up here, you just wouldn't know. He, he may just walk away. <laughs> Boom, there you go. <laughs> from, from person B, are you going to trust me? Or are you going to hedge your bet? Are you going to take a step back? Are you going to try and save yourself? Or are you going to trust me? And then there's a little internal battle that goes on. Can I be trusted to do this? I want to do this. And I, and I, and I want to do it successfully. And I want to trust this person. But I'm just not sure. And then even from the catchy, I mean, with the kids, it's not so bad. But you get me falling into your arms. This, can I? Am I able to do this? Will I do this? Or will I walk away? See, that'd be my problem. I could walk away. <laughs> so, let's, let, let, let's, let's see how well you do here. So, you've got to put your feet together. All right? Feet together. You have the same shoes as me. Good man. <laughs> feet together. Cross. Eyes closed. And you're just going to fall back. Oh, see? Now, you both, you took a step. Let's try it one more time. Keep your, keep your feet locked together and trust that dad is going to catch you. There you go. Did you do it? No, oh, I saw bent knees. Come on, Darby. One more time, Darby. I don't blame you. <laughs> no, come on, Darby. One more time. Straight, eyes closed. You can do it. You can do it. He's going to catch There you go. All right, now, to, to just take this to the next level, I'm just kidding. Look, he's going. <laughs> I want to present you both with your baptism certificates. Do we have our photographer? Right there. So where should we do this? Away from the ladder. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So let me do Darby and, and John. So we've got my signature on there and your dad's signature on there. Here's proof when you get up to heaven, there's an administrative person sitting at the gate. You're going to need an ID with picture. You're going to need this certificate of baptism. And if everything is okay, if all the paperwork is going to let you in. No, <laughs> not true, dear. Congratulate. Come back, 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 come back. You're my sister in Christ. Don't go away. I'm going to pray for you all. Gabe. Gabe, we have to move over. So Gabe is special in a good way. 
So Amy and Libby were friends for years at school, and Libby was always over at our house, and we kind of considered ourselves, and I think she considered us as her second parents. And, uh, and Gabe, in many ways, I've always considered as one of my honorary grandchildren, because his mom has been part of our family. So it is with great honor that I was here to witness your baptism and you becoming a Christian. All right, now you're free to go. Oh, pray. That's right, I'm the pastor, yeah. Hey, come on over here, get in front of me, and I'll, I'll pray in behind you. Dads, you put your hands on your kids. Father, we just again, just give you thanks. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I thank you for these children. I thank you for their courage to stand up in front of everybody and declare their faith in you. They are followers of Jesus Christ. They have him in their heart. They have him in their lives. Thank you for these parents and mom and dad. And I pray your blessing upon each home. And I pray that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we've already prayed this morning, Father, I pray these children will grow to be warriors in your kingdom. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. All right. Just another 40 minutes. It was good though, wasn't it? So that little trust exercise, although it was funny, so many of those dynamics, can I trust you? Can I trust me? Do you trust me? Do I trust me? Most of those dynamics, we find the exact same thing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I called this morning um, the trust factor. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 5. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. And we're going to look at a few verses in Romans. We're going to be looking at this over the next couple of weeks. And the last part is going to be our service out on the lawn. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to look at trust this morning and see what the Bible teaches us about trust and how to learn to trust at a deeper level. Because this series is called deeper. All right, Romans 5, 1 to 5 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, all right, anytime you see therefore, what do you need to do? Ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? Something goes before it. And it's all a part, you know, going deeper, it's all a part, I want about not being lazy with our study. Because it's easy to go, we can get into the idea, oh, I've got to get my Bible study done today for 10 minutes. Let me get that chapter out of the way. It's not about getting the study done. It's about getting the study in you, getting the word in you. So take your time. There we go. What is the therefore there? What is it there for? So we need to go back. So we're going to go back into chapter 4 just a little bit and understand what this therefore is there for. You know, when they, let's just read it. I'll be here all day, I guess. Abraham, so Paul is talking about faith, and he uses Abraham as his example. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. 
He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Now, one of the kids said that this morning, to trust that, that Jesus will do what Jesus says he will do. So Abraham and Sarah had been promised that they would be the, the, the father and the mother of a great nation. But now they're really old. She's way past giving birth age, way past wanting to give birth age. And they still haven't had a child. And, and Paul is, is talking about Abraham's faith never wavered. Even when he was really old, you know, God said he would do this. I believe he's going to do it. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Therefore, so we've flipped into chapter 5, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. All right, I want to go deeper on that. Since we have been made right, have you ever had to make it right with someone? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you did something or they did something. Somebody did something and now you've got to make it right. And it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of um, mental discipline, emotional strength sometimes to make it right because you have to deal with things that maybe you don't want to deal with or talk about. But if we're going to get this right, the easiest thing to do is just sweep it under the carpet. But if we really want to get it right, we've got to deal with it. And that's difficult. It takes a lot of character to choose to make it right. But what if you can't? What if I mean, the problem with making it right is, is, is oftentimes it's a factor of two, right? It's, it's not just you. There's somebody else involved in this making it right, you and them. So the, the problem is that so often the power, if you will, in the situation is with the other person. You've made a decision. You're going to make it right. But the power is with the other person person and maybe they're not going to let you they don't accept your apology they're not interested in your need for forgiveness and there could be multiple reasons for this you know maybe you blew it one time too many i gave you a chance and i gave you another chance and i gave you another chance and you just keep on doing it we're done i'm done with this or maybe what you did was just so hurtful and so painful that in their minds, there's no making this right. Doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter your apology, we're not making this right. I'm just too darn hurt, and that's the end of it. You can't make it right. You messed up too big, or too often, or both. And no matter what you do, it's too little, or it's too late, or both. It's difficult. Or, here's another scenario, sometimes this happens. You did something that really wasn't that big. It wasn't an earth-shattering error. But because of the person that you did it to, because of their history, maybe not with you, 
They've had issue with trust because of things that have gone on in the past. They've been hurt before. And the little thing that you did was enough for them to react to it in such a way that you never expected that reaction. And boom. And when, they're, when they respond to what happened, it's not proportional. And they can't bring themselves to a place of grace. might seem like a little thing to you, but to them, it's a big thing. And there's no making it right. You may have done everything you need to do. You may have offered up an apology. You may have every single thing that you could do. But they're not in that place, and you can't make it right. Or flip-flop. You're the victim. You're the one who's been hurt. Maybe one time too many, or too often, or too deeply. And you simply can't bring yourself to a place of grace and forgiveness. You are too deeply hurt. Your heart's not there. It's, I'm not in a make it right mode. And it can't be made right. What has happened? Trust has been broken. That's the heart of this issue. Trust has been broken and trust is huge. It's massive in a relationship. Trust is what holds things together in a relationship or lack of trust causes things to fall apart. Am I making sense here? Yep, good. You know, I used to work in engineering, and it's a good reason that the big support members, we call them members, that you see in roofs and floors sometimes, they're called a truss. And that word trust is the same word, the same root word as trust. It holds things together. It holds things up. It's strength. I see nods going on over here. You know all about that stuff. I remember when I was a, an apprentice bricklayer, when I built a wall, the, the tradesman, journeyman we say here, tradesman over there, would come over and he would check the accuracy of a wall. And it's always a scary part for, for an apprentice. You know, you're building this wall and he's going to come along and he's going to put a level on the wall. Because over there, the masonry is structural. It supports, it's not just, you know, on the outside of a building to look pretty. It actually holds the thing up. And he wants to make sure that that is upright. And the word that they would use is true. Now, I can remember the, the like some, hey, boy, because you're always boy. Is that wall true? Yep, I'm coming over there. It's true. Because when you've got a load on that wall, if it's not true, if it's leaning and you put a load on there, that's not going to stand up. But if you get that thing exactly upright in the right place, that will hold. I can remember the bricklayers coming over sometimes when you're an apprentice and you're trying to get this thing upright and it's mostly upright. And I can remember a tradesman coming over and just kick it over. <laughs> Do it again. Get it right. It's not true. It's got to be true. True, trust, trust. Same thing. Same root, same core. Trust is based in truth. 
that which can be depended upon. That's the rule. And when trust is broken, it changes every... I have no idea. <laughs> I'm thinking back, did I say something a few weeks ago? Like, would you all do? <laughs> you put me off. <laughs> trust is based in truth. That which can be defended on. That's the rule. When trust is broken, it changes things. Even when you make it right. Now, here's a difficult thing. Even when you make it right, it's still difficult to rebuild trust. You may go back to the person, you offer an apology, you, you do everything right, and, and they accept your apology. But it's very, very difficult from that point on for the trust to be in that relationship. You may get along with one another, you may still be friends, but that relationship is changed. And it may be changed forever, permanently, because of the damage to that trust. Because trust is a factor of two. It's me and it's you. That's how it works. Except. Except, 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 except when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. Then trust is a factor of one. The one. Let's go back to this passage of scripture and I'll explain. Therefore. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I love the wonderful wording here. We have been made right. It's not our doing. We have been made right. It, it doesn't say because you are right or because of your righteousness, or because you are upright, or because you deserve it. That, that's not in there. It says you have been made right. You didn't do the making. You know, when, when the wall is true or upright, it's not because of anything the wall did. It's the builder that made the wall upright. We have been made right in God's sight by faith, by trust. Not trusting. The, so here's the singularity in this, because I know this is kind of, this could be difficult to take. Not by trusting in who we are or what we have done. The Bible tells us over and over, and I, I really don't need to tell you this because we all know it. We're not very trustworthy, are we? So let's do a little survey then. All right, are you ready for my survey? Who sinned this week? <laughs> okay, you people with your hands down, have you examined your thought pattern? Did you get angry? Did you get upset at someone? It says you have been made right. Not by trusting in who we are or what we have done, but by trusting in who he is and what he has done. We must trust in the one who is trustworthy. 
We are not trustworthy, but he is trustworthy. We have faith in his trustworthiness. We trust in his trustworthiness. Verse 2 says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we can confidently, joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Undeserved privilege. We hear the word privilege thrown around these days quite a lot. Here's the thing. We are privileged. We are privileged. And it's a wonderful privilege. And it's an undeserved privilege. And it's got nothing to do with race, gender, age, identity, or any of that stuff. And everything to do with Christ and the undeserved privilege that he bestows upon us as his children. When we choose to trust in him. I asked our, our baptizees and our baptizers, what does it mean to trust in Christ? And I put it on your bulletin. It's really straightforward. Most people know this. Here's the answer. It means to trust that he, Jesus, lived a perfect, sin-free life. It means to trust that he died on the cross. It means to trust that because there was no sin in him, death could not hold him, and he was raised again to life. And it means to trust that whoever puts their trust in him shall not die, but will live with him in paradise. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We saw that, did we not? If you openly declare, we saw two children declare their faith in Jesus Christ. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This is why baptism is public. It's a public declaration of somebody's choice to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's, it's saying to everybody, I believe this Jesus. I believe he lived. I believe he was sinless. I believe he died on the cross. I believe it couldn't keep him down. He came back. And I believe he forgives sin. And I believe he's forgiven my sin. Praise God. It's a good thing, is it not? And if you've never done that, do it. It's really easy. This is not the deep part. This is the shallow part. He made it so, so easy. It goes back to that verse. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, sometimes in that there's, God, I need you to help me believe that. I want to have faith to have the faith. And he'll give it to you. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That means that you say it. That's why a part of the process of coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ is saying it. It's praying a prayer. It's not just about what you believe. It's about what you say. Declaring to God, I believe you. I believe that your son lived. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he died on the cross. 
I believe he came back again. I believe he forgives sin. And I believe my sin is forgiven through him. I want to be his follower. You say it. You pray it. And if you've never prayed it, you can pray it quietly right now. And then talk to me about baptism next week. All right, it's 1130. I'm not going to go any deeper in this. We'll do these other verses. Because all of the rest of our lives is a response to what we just said. It's a response to the fact that Jesus Christ died for us on the cross. That our saving has nothing to do with us. We are not trustworthy. He is trustworthy. So where does trust come into my life? The rest of my life is living living in gratitude for what he has done for me. And trusting that if I live the way that he's called me to live, it's better than living the way I think I should live. Amen? All right. We're going to go to communion now. So if I can have those come forward, please, that are going to help with communion. Communion is a, a command of Jesus when he was with his disciples in the upper room before he went to the cross, before he was betrayed, they were sharing a meal together. And he broke the bread in front of them. He said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup and he drank from the cup and he passed the cup around to them. Drink of this. He said, this represents my blood which is shed for you. And what Jesus was telling them, you see, back in those days, if you did something wrong, you had to come to the priest. You had to bring an offering to the priest. And the priest would make a sacrificial offering for your benefit to God. But Jesus came and said, you don't need to do that anymore. He said, I'm going to be the last sacrifice that we need here. I'm going to be your lamb. I'm going to be your sacrifice so that when you trust in me, it's done. It is done. You don't have to keep coming to the priest and asking for forgiveness. You've been forgiven for, by your Father in heaven. And my blood and my body are the evidence of your forgiveness. You know, communion is such a simple thing. I think it's too simple. I need to go that way. Thank you. <laughs> Ronnie and Jan set this up. She gets everybody to do it, and I just follow orders. <laughs> Not well. Father, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've prayed it a number of times already this morning. You are our loving Father, and your word is so simple. It says, whoever accepts my son, Jesus Christ, I will accept them. And Jesus himself said, I don't judge you if you don't do what I say. I only judge you if you reject me. So Father, we come this morning because you made it so easy. 
We come and we accept and we acknowledge that each one of us has sin in our hearts. We've done things to other people. We've done things to ourselves. We've done things that, that dishonor your name. But through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, we have peace with you. Our relationship is restored. So we come into your presence to share communion and we accept your grace. We accept your mercy. We accept your forgiveness. We ask that you would just fill us as we share this bread and we share this juice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come forward and take communion. Take it back to your seat and we'll share together.
the body of the Lord Jesus Christ broken for you, broken for me. Take and eat. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed for us. Father, again, we just give you thanks. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for dying for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just a couple of things here and we're done. Today, we have a membership class, Lakeway 101, Discovering Church Membership. If you've been coming to Lakeway and, you know, you've been here for a while and you're thinking, this feels like home. This feels like the church that God has called me to. And you've never become a member or you're not even sure what membership is about. Your opportunity to find out today. We're going to be meeting. Actually, I'm not sure where we're meeting. Fellowship Hall, Fellowship Hall. Over that way somewhere, Bob will lead you. <laughs> Hector's setting up. So we will feed you. Class is a couple of hours, but we'll feed you. We have childcare if you have children, so please come and be a part of that. And then one last thing, and I need to bring it up this week, Kairos Ministry. It's our prison ministry. Well, it's not our prison ministry, but it's a prison ministry that we've been involved in as a church, and Randy is um, deeply involved in it. And I lost all my notes, Randy. It's coming up when? 22nd of this month. Now, three things you can do to be a part of this. Number one, you can pray. And you can let the guys on the inside, the brothers in white, or they call them something else there, right? Brothers in white, they make a prayer chain. And on the prayer chain is the first name of each person that is praying for them. So if you would like to pray for them out in the hallway there, in the foyer, you'll find strips of paper and you can just put your first name and you can put Lakeway. And then they'll make that into a chain. So that's an encouragement for the men in there that, that somebody is praying for them. So that's one way you can do it. You can buy a meal ticket. Um, there's no big organization that funds Kairos. Each one is independently funded. And it costs money to feed these guys. They don't have the regular prison food. It's bait. They know that if they come to a Kairos weekend, they're getting decent, well-cooked, nicely cooked food. And we use that to get them to come to Kairos. And when they get to Kairos, they get good food and they get Jesus Christ. And that's the important part. So if you'd like to um, sponsor a meal, you can write a meal ticket out there. They're about 5 or $6 or whatever you would like to donate. And then the third way that you could be a part of this, and this is how uh, Randy kind of got me involved into it to a certain degree. They have what's called a closing ceremony on the last day of the weekend. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The, the brothers in white don't know what's going to happen at the closing ceremony, but everybody that was on the outside team that cooks the food, everybody that was on the inside team is in a room, 
and they have a church service and these guys get to go up there and share how the weekend has impacted their lives. You can go and see that. But you have to sign up in advance and today is the last day that you can sign up. So see Randy, he'll be out in the foyer if you'd like to be a part of that. And trust me, it's worth doing. It's worth going. So see Randy. Is that everything, Randy? I got everything? I'm doing good. If you want to be part of 101, benevolence. If you want to be part of 101, uh, head out that door there across the hallway. You'll see Hector. Please stand. One thing we like to do every time we have communion, we take up a benevolence offering. This is money that we give to people who are in need. It's got nothing to do with the running of this church. So if you're able, we've got someone at that door and someone at that door, whatever change you may have in your pocket, if you've got a couple of dollars, please help us help those who are in need. Father, again, I just thank you for each person that you brought here today. I thank you for baptisms. Thank you for communion. Thank you for those who've joined us from further shores from far away. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that binds us together as one. Pour out your blessings upon us, I pray, Father. I pray your blessing upon the membership class that it goes well. And I pray that as we leave here, we would seek to be a blessing to everyone that we meet. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you all for coming.